We are excited. Um, we really, you know, it's one of those things, if you have not been at Vintage in the last, um, you know, I don't know, six months, maybe we, we began talking about this foster care movement. It was, we've been praying from, from day one. We're a little over five years old, and we moved here six years ago. We began praying from day one. God, would you show us an unreached people group in our community? Those, Lord, who, are, who have really not been reached by the gospel, there's not an intentional pursuit of going after them. And as we prayed, it became very clear that this foster care movement and this foster care crisis in the state of Georgia and really nationwide was an unreached people group in our area. That there are hundreds of kids all at one time just in, just in the Dallas and the Paulding County foster care program that are completely unreached, um, living disconnected from family um, and just living in, in, a, in a difficult, difficult place. And, and so we, we've really felt that, that call from God to, to do that, to move forward. The group called Faith Bridge, which is just a, a ministry that really is answering, going after tack, and tackling this cause here in uh, specifically in the state of Georgia. And, uh, and so as we've prayed and we've continued to dive into this, we, we feel more confident than ever before that this is the movement that God has for us. And so I want to encourage you, even this morning as you're praying, if there's something that God's stirring in your heart in this area, whether it's to say, I want to come and just, I'd love to bring meals to these families. I could do, I'd love to do some babysitting. I'd love to do some respite care. So we take a child for a whole weekend, or I'd love to do foster care. Talk to Randall. Uh, she'd love to help you process. Talk to Jimmy. You just saw him up here. He'd love to help you get connected. There's so many th- ways to get connected, and we'd love for you all to, to make that happen um, if the Lord is really stirring that way. All right. Well, hey, let's dive in this morning. And uh, we've been talking about this all-in campaign, our small group campaign. We've been putting this little nice little diagram up here. I don't have this morning, but basically talking about living our real life, discipleship, mission, and, and family. And so we've been talking a lot about uh, the going and the doing. Right. We, we, we specifically even looked at Matthew 28 where Jesus says, go make disciples. Right. There's this this great urgency, this command of God to go and to do. And we celebrate the going and the doing. Right. We talk about the steps here at Vintage. We've been talking about, hey, you need to live your real life. You need to connect with family. Spiritual families become very, very important, more important than anything else in your life. And then you need to be careful. Don't make your kids an idol. We put all these things up there. Right. We're talking about go make disciples and we're saying to you, hey, it takes time. It takes energy. You have to be intentional about it. You got to take up your cross, right? You have to die to yourself. We have all this going and the doing and all the going and the doing. If you were to say to me, if I were to ask you, hey, do you think this is God's will? I believe all you say, yes, we see God in this. We we see the biblical call to make disciples and to go and to do. And this is exciting and it's great. But if we're completely honest, and if I'm completely honest, there are moments when we, when we, when we're looking out, when we're talking, when we're praying, when we're talking about all this stuff, that that I see in myself and in others the thing that I call the glazed eye look. Do you know what I'm talking about? The glazed eyes, like your kids get that when you've been talking too much, <laughs> right? And you're talking and talking and talking and talking and doing this and doing this, right? And 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 they and you know they stopped paying attention a long time ago. You know what I mean? Like that glazed eye look, you're like that's some, like like who has it right now? I'm just kidding. But seriously, we get the glazed eye look all the time. When we had this information overload. 
People just think they can just say talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, right? And you find yourself in the middle of the conversation completely disconnected and thinking about your to-do list or Georgia football or Georgia Tech football or something other than what they're talking about. You have no idea what they're saying. And then when that moment comes, you, you kind of go, oh, and you wake up and you realize you haven't been paying attention for 15 minutes. You ha- and they go, do you understand? And you go, yes. And you have no idea what you're saying yes to, right? And our kids, they do that all the time because in our lives, when we have this going and the doing, we have all the stuff that we're throwing out there and things we're calling people to do and say, things you have to shift and things you have to change, all of a sudden along the way, something that happens is that the glazed look, we have this all of a sudden this moment of disconnect. Why? Because of information overload or something that's been shared that is maybe a little bit too heavy to carry in the moment and you can't, you really can't move forward yet from here because you're still processing this and you can't get to here. And so this morning, I want you to hear me say, as we're in this process of talking about discipleship and moving on the upcoming weeks to talking about living life on mission, I want to do all of us a favor this morning and I want to press pause. I want to press pause and talk about the most important thing to discipleship that you'll ever experience or realize or learn in your entire life. What I'm going to share this morning is the most important thing to discipleship. That if you're going to live in discipleship, you're going to do family and live on mission. This is the most important thing you can ever learn. It is the center, it is the foundation, and it is the call ultimately of discipleship. That if we're going to succeed in anything that God tells us to go and to do this thing this morning is the thing that we have to awaken to and we have to press pause and realize. And it's simply this. Matthew 28, verse 20b. So let's turn your Bibles, Matthew 28. I know we've talked the last couple of weeks about, about Matthew 28, this call of discipleship. This, I, know I talked about it two weeks ago. Scott talked about it at length last week. And I want to just look at this verse again. We're going to start in verse, verse 19. Just read the whole part again. It says this. Therefore, Jesus has just said, I have authority. What I say has, carries weight with it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And this is part be surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Now I want you to understand what's happening here. Jesus has just spent time laying out some great responsibilities that carry with them great weight and their commands that he's giving to his disciples, right? He tells them to teach Others to observe all I have commanded you. That's a tall order, right? Three years worth of information, both spoken and revealed and seen to the life of Jesus. And the disciples are now told, hey, you have to go teach people to observe all I have commanded you. That's a great tall order, right? A great weight of responsibility. He tells them, he says, I want you to go do for others. I want you to go make disciples, right? I want you to do for others what I've done for you. So basically he's saying, listen, I've, I have, I've modeled this for you. Now do it. So basically what he said is, I want you to be just like me. 
And I don't know about you, but I it's difficult even now to be like Jesus. And I don't even fully know what it looked like, although these guys did because they walked with him every day. They saw him respond with great patience and kindness. They watched compassion flow from him, right? And they're going, oh my gosh, to be like Jesus, a tall order, it carries a weight with it, right? And if they understood what Jesus was saying, they would know that he was saying to them, listen guys, the entire future of this Jesus movement is now your responsibility to carry to the world, I mean, that's what we look back on and say, these got Jesus entrusted, really the 11, they added the 12th, and I think it's Matthias, right? They added the 12th, and they're not going to send them to go bring, bring to life the Jesus movement, the present day Christian movement across the world. There's just a little bit of weight of responsibility that goes with being responsible for the entire movement of Christendom. Like, there's a little bit of weight that comes along with that, right? A tall order, a command that carries with it a great weight of responsibility. But like most people in this moment, when you receive this incredible call, when you are called to be, something, to be part of something huge and bigger than yourself, what do you do? You get excited, don't you? You feel honored to be the one who's been invited into the special club to bring with a special movement. And so with that, you see that when they leave Jesus on the mount, on the mount after he's ascended to the Father, there's a level of excitement. So they returned excitedly. They, were, they returned excitedly with an anticipation. They went back into Jerusalem. Because I believe that what people have, all of us, is a propensity... Towards invincibility. Propensity towards invincibility. We are prone to think that we're invincible. Ask any 16-year-old if they're ever going to crash a car. They're all going to say, no way, I'm an awesome driver. That will never happen to me. Right? There's a propensity towards invincibility in every single one of our lives and every human being. So the disciples here had the same thing like, yes, Jesus has conquered the, he's conquered the grave. This is awesome. He's come to us. We're the special people, right? He's going to come and give us the stuff. He's called us. We are the twelve. We're doing this, right? And so they have this idea. These, my, you know, if it's, it's a line from every Star Wars, you heard it, the delusions of grandeur. You remember that's in every Star Wars? I just want you to know that. The phrase is spoken, delusions of grandeur, right? So here they are in the moment, probably, this is going to be awesome. We're going to be awesome through Jesus, of course, giving praise, right? But there's this reality of, of they're the ones who were called with a great responsibility, thinking they're going to make it. They're going to do it. This is going to be awesome. But Jesus then speaks into the moment and says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And the reason I believe that Jesus says this and makes it very clear, he says, I am with you, is simply this. Because in every situation of life, where you think with your expectation everything's going to be awesome, a.k.a. I'm going to have the perfect marriage, a.k.a. Mom, I'm going to be the perfect parent. 
or I'm going to be the perfect spouse, or we're not going to struggle like that, never. And then what happens? All of our expectations, boom, and explode. Isn't that awesome, right? Because in life, life is hard. Life is difficult. Life always presents itself and presents moments of great hardship and difficulty. And so we start the race in all that we're doing, whether it's the job that you're in, your marriage, your child, your neighborhood, or your own personal life. This is going to, listen, I, listen, I've been struggling with alcohol. I'm going to conquer it today, right? This is going to be the moment. I'm going to stop smoking. And all of a sudden, oh my gosh. Right? You sit there in the moment. And we're like, yes, we start with great urgency, great passion, great conviction. And in the moment, hardship arises. And we look back to 20B. And we realize Jesus knew well in advance that hardship and difficulties were going to arise in life. So he made sure that the, so Matthew made sure that the very last thing that he quotes Jesus saying in his gospel is, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. This is important for this reason, because in our hardships, when we're on this journey, whether it's a journey of parenting or the the journey of discipleship or the journey of living in family together and the journey of, of, of living your life on mission, no matter how you start, usually with great excitement and with great passion, somewhere along the way, hardship is going to come. You're going to find yourself with your eyes glazing over, wanting to dis connect because you were disenfranchised and all you're trying to think of is how can I survive? And so in these moments, which is a moment today, it's a pressing pause in which we recenter, we refocus so we can be recommissioned, sent out again. You see, the picture of Jesus in the moment, I believe, is he's speaking into the situation of saying, hey, you're going to live your life, but I need you to know that hard moments, difficult moments, things that are going to cause your eyes to glaze over, to take away your passion, to make everything difficult, to make you want to stop, to make you want to pull away, to make you want to disconnect completely are going to happen. But surely in those moments, even then, I am still with you. It's imperative that you recenter, refocus so you can be recommissioned. We see this in this as early as Acts chapter 4, just a few months after Jesus' death and resurrection, a few months after Jesus has commissioned them, a few months after Pentecost has happened, chapter 4, if you remember the story, Peter and John have gone out, they've, they've gone to this guy, they've healed him. The religious leaders, the very same ones, listen, the very same ones who killed Jesus, see what Peter and John do. They say, hey, they take them captive, They throw them into jail and then they bring them before them just like they did Jesus and begin to to speak to them in a very derogatory and mean way. They begin to persecute them. How dare you do this? And in the moment, you can recognize Peter and John have this clarity to recognize, oh, 
the death of Jesus and his crucifixion is still very fresh in our mind. It's just a few, a few months ago. It's still very fresh. It's still very real in my mind. I'm still very, very, very much aware of it. And they're coming before the same guys, basically being threatened with the exact same accusations. Do you think it's not an overwhelming moment? Do you think they're not just a little bit scared? Do you think they're not just a little bit disillusioned, possibly, in their, at least in their flesh? I'm sure they're super spiritual and don't struggle at all, right? No, they're human beings just like us. They're wrestling between faith and fear, like every human being in every difficult way, just like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in this moment, in this moment, they persecute them. And it says they finally released them. And in verse 23, it says they went back to their people. I encourage you to read it this week. Read the story this week. Acts chapter 4, go read it. So they went back to their people. I love this. In the moment of difficulty, moment of persecution, the moment of hardship, they run to their family. I love that beautiful picture here, right? In the moment of hardship, they don't isolate themselves like we're really going to do it. Doing it. I'll, I'll deal with my stuff, and then I'll present my stuff to other people. It's not what we do. We want to we cover up our garbage. We want to cover up our mess because we don't want to be embarrassed in front of people. So we put a mask on around them because like, everything is fine, and we basically lie to them, and we die on the inside. That is not a great equation. Here the equation is, I suffer, I experience great hardship, so I run to my family so they can encourage and support and undergird me and strengthen me. And then what did they do? Verse 24. It says in verse 24, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. What I want you to see this morning is this. In the moment of their life, in the moment that it's called the discipleship, in the moment where their eyes can be glazed over by hardship and difficulty, they pressed pause. Together, in family, and then they refocused on Jesus, recentered themselves on him. And you'll see in verse 31, in verse 31 says, after they prayed together, the place they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And so in the moment of discipleship and the call to, to going and doing, right, and feeling this great weight, and every week we give you something else to do, and every week there's one more thing you have to do, and we make you feel bad about who you are and what you're doing, you're not doing enough, right? Because what we do, we get up here and tell you, you've got to grow, 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 grow. And I'm telling you, in that moment you glaze over, because we all do it. And we get information overload. It becomes too much. And in that moment, you can either turn away or you can come into family. You can refocus on Jesus, recenter your heart so that he can recommission you. Here in the moment, the disciples said, if you go back and read the prayer, it's beautiful. Oh, God, look at the threats of those around us. Oh, would you give us faith? Because they're struggling. And they're wrestling here in the moment. Herein lies the crucial nature of Jesus' promise in Matthew 28. When the difficulty came here, right, when their, their commitment to making disciples, when they had the commanded Jesus was threatened, right, when the weight of responsibility came to a head, they called out to Jesus. They pressed pause on everything going on. They cried out to Jesus, and Jesus 
came and was near to them, and then he recommissioned them. It says, now go in the boldness and the of my authority and go make disciples. And they did. You see, the secret, the secret to the Christian life and the secret to discipleship is that we are pressing pause every day. Refocusing, recentering, and then hearing Jesus' voice again, recommission. You see, that's the, that's the great tragedy of our culture, especially in the culture of the church, is we're really good at going and doing, and we are God-awful or hell-awful at actually stopping and allowing him to replenish, re-engage, refocus us, and then send us back out. I love this picture here of the disciples, these men who had literally followed, men and women who literally had followed Jesus, walked with him. They stopped, recentered, refocused, and they were recommissioned because they knew that Jesus was with them. He met them. He in, intervened in their life. He came near to them. He proved, in a sense, yes, surely I am with you always, every moment. That's the, that, that's the thrust of what he's getting at in John 14. I'm going to just read these to you. Verse 16 says, says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, one who fights for you to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I want to encourage you this morning with three things. Number one, have confidence that Jesus is with you. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, then the commitment is still true for you. Surely, Jesus said, I am with you always. I am with you always. Why did he say this? Because, A, he knew they couldn't do it without him. You can't go and do without Jesus. That's why we have to stop, press pause, go... I gotta catch myself, right? I gotta, I gotta reawaken. How many of you do that, right? You've like totally disengaged somebody, and then you try to, you try to like recapture, like, okay, gotta refocus and try to hear what they're saying because hopefully they'll say it again. I can get it and catch it, right? I want to make sure I hear what they're saying and I don't miss it. We reengage, we reenfocus, we find Jesus, we see Him again. He knew they couldn't do without Him too. He encouraged them. It's to encourage them to always look to Him. I am always with you. Listen, how about your kids when you're going somewhere? Like when we were when we were at the beach a few weeks ago, we're in our we're in the kayaks out there. I've told some of you we literally just talked about a nine foot bull shark while we're out there. No big deal, right? It's just a shark with my kids in the water. No big deal, right? So we're out there like rowing, right? And 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 they all of a sudden my kids they had this feeling, oh, where's dad? And they turn around to make sure that I'm with them always, even to the very end of getting to the beach. Because if not, I'm not with them, they're going to freak out, right? That's the idea here, to encourage them to always look back and to see him. I am always with you. You can always look to me. The third thing was they needed to remember where their power came from. And going and doing by nature in our, in humanity. Listen, human beings are really good. We've been told, especially in America, pull up your bootstraps, work harder, and make it happen. And there's a level of truth in that that's great. But the damning part of that is that we then trust ourselves. 
and we don't recenter, refocus, and engage Jesus. The great lie of our culture is that you can make anything happen if you want to make it happen. And you can't. You will die a frustrated life if you think that apart from God, you can make these kingdom things happen. We have to recenter, refocus so we can be recommissioned. Listen, I was praying last week and I felt like God spoke clear as day and said, Steve, every tension in life is my gift reminder to you. You can't make that thing happen. All my tensions and all my frustrations are something God gives us to point us back to him. Because if I try to fix them myself, what happens? I fail, I get frustrated, I become angry, and I disconnect, and I don't like you. That's what happens. At least it happens to me. If I live my life connected, then all things become possible, right? Choosing Jesus' reliance over self-reliance. The second thing I'm going to encourage you with, responsibility, it is needed and healthy. One of my great tensions is when I sit there and I basically talk to people about responsibility and they go, ah, which means I can't do that. I get frustrated. It's too hard for me to carry. Ah, just tell me how great I am and love on me. And I'm looking at them saying, I love you by giving you responsibility. So I do with my kids and what my dad did with me. It would be unfair and unkind of a parent to give their children no responsibility. Responsibility causes them to grow up and to become mature. When I was 21 years old, my dad bought me a Dodge truck, handed me a payment booklet and said, it's in our name. Don't mess up my credit. (laughs) Right? I mean, you bet you got it. I'm like, yes, sir. He didn't say just like that. That's what he meant. Right. You have to be responsible every month to make this truck payment. You can pay it off early. Just work harder. And so I did. I worked hard and I paid it off early. And my dad, all of a sudden, he was proud of me. Right. Why? Because he didn't give me a responsibility and I did it. And it caused me to grow and caused me to mature Listen, parents, our children stay in an extended uh, stage of adolescence because we do too much for them. And you know it, don't you? Responsibility is a gift given to us. It's a gift we give our children. It's a gift that God has given to us, right? Our call to discipleship, our call to family, our call to mission, our call to worship, right, comes with a weight of responsibility because something is being commanded and demanded from us. We must give ourselves away, right? Our responsibility, though, is healthy. It demands, listen, Discipleship demands that we prepare ourselves, educate ourselves, and live a life worth imitating. Hear that. If you're called to make disciples, then you have to educate, prepare, and live a life worthy of imitation. That's a weight of responsibility, isn't it? And that is a gift to you. I said to one of my guys, to one of my guys in my DNA group, I said a couple weeks ago, I said, if, if, if I told you this Sunday that you had to preach at Vintage, how would that affect your time in Scripture and in prayer? They're like, oh my gosh, right? Because with responsibility, with responsibility comes action. We cry out for help. We turn away. Are you sure you're still? Yes, there you are. Thank you, Jesus, right? The third encouragement, listen, pray until you are awakened. 
pray until you were awakened. When the disciples prayed in Acts 4, they were awakened again to the power of God. They were awakened or they remembered God's power in their lives and the truth that they did not have to rely on self. That Jesus actually meant it when he said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our staff went a couple weeks ago and we got to hear Tim Keller speak. He gave us a simple phrase. He said, pray until it engages the affections. Pray until it engages the affections. I love this word phrase. It means I pray until my affections are engaged by the love of Jesus and my love for Jesus. Because when I'm awakened, when I'm awakened to love from Jesus, I can be rested, recharged, and recommissioned. When I pray until my affections are engaged by God, it means I become aware of Him. I become alive to Him. I am unglazed, right? My eyes become unglazed. I see Him. I see Him in His greatness. I see Him in His power. I see Him in His goodness. I see Him in His faithfulness and His love for me. And all of a sudden I go, oh, I can do anything by Christ who gives me strength as long as He's with me by God. And so in our moments of... Going and doing, we press pause, we refocus, we recenter on Jesus, we see him until our affections become engaged. Listen, in Acts 4, do you have any idea what would have happened to you if you've been sitting in that room and all of a sudden the room shook and you were filled with the Holy Spirit again? And all of a sudden you're like, yes, even though I can't see him, he is with me and I can do all things so I can keep going. Going and doing causes our eyes to become glazed, become disconnected, disenfranchised, and all of a sudden disconnected. So all of a sudden we're like, oh, I can't do this. And our spiritual lives become dead. They become cold until we press pause, recenter, refocus, and then recommissioned. I pray until my affections are engaged because I'm only worth anything for the kingdom when I am rested in the beauty of God's love for me. I am only worth anything. Listen, let me change that. I'm completely worthless to do anything positive at all in life until I'm rested in the beauty of God's love for me. Acts chapter 1. We're going to end right here. Then we're going to pray. We're going to worship. Acts chapter 1, 4 and 5. Jesus is just in the same moment of giving the great commission to go make disciples of all nations. And he says to them, right, this is, that's, that's connected to going and doing. Go make disciples, go and do. But Jesus then says, don't miss this. But before you do that, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the, what the Father promised. Wait for the Holy Spirit. He said, don't go and do until you have waited because your going and doing is dependent on your waiting and being filled with the Holy Spirit as you engage that I am still present and near and that I am with you to the end of the age. The going and the doing was 100% dependent upon their waiting of the movement and the affection and the awareness of God, Jesus, in their life 
And this is still true today. Our going and doing is dependent on our waiting every day for the movement of Jesus, the awakening of his affections in our lives, because we need to live aware that surely he is with us always, every day, in every moment, even to the end of the age. So y'all go ahead and come. You can lead worship this morning. And here's what I want to do this morning. I want you to press pause. Some of you are like, yes, I am glazed over. I'm surviving. I'm barely getting by, whatever it may be. And I need to have my affections awakened this morning. I want to invite you into worship. I want to invite you to pray. I want you to invite you to be honest before the Lord about your struggles, what's overwhelming you, the tensions that you're facing, the things you're facing at work, in your family. Right. With your church, with your neighbors, whatever it meant, with your own, just in your own mind, the wrestling you have in your own mind with depression, with fear, with worry and anxiety, whatever it may be. And I want us to just press pause this morning on your going and your doing. This week, even in our small groups, I want us to press pause and I want us to pray for one another, encourage one another to love on one another And to allow our affections to be engaged. I want you this morning to be honest with the Lord about where you are. I want you to be honest about what you're feeling, what you're thinking. I want you just to say, God, search me and know me. I want you to allow God to speak his love over you and his affection for you this morning. I was up at five o'clock this morning. I was awake at four. Got up and said, God, I just need you to love on me. That's what I need. I just need you to love on me. I need to know the Father heart. I need to know your affections. I need to know. I need you, Jesus. And some of us, that's right where you are. And God's saying, it's okay to press pause because I'm still God and I'm sovereign. I'm in control. So we're good. You find me first before you keep on going. You allow yourself to be engaged by my affections, my love for you, my heart for you. Allow him to search you this morning, to speak life into you. And so, Jesus, as we come into worship, that's what we're praying, Jesus. We're praying this morning you would speak into our hearts, that you would awaken us. That you would engage our affections, that we would stop being glazed over, that we would refocus, recenter, so that you can recommission us to bring your kingdom on earth as you've spoken it on heaven. So, Jesus, meet us this morning the way that only you can. Amen.